Welcome, everybody, to The Outside Edge, a podcast for extreme athletes and extreme people and people that like to live on the outside edge. I'm your host, Dave Briscoe. And I'm joined by my producer all the way out in the center of the country, the heartland, you might say, Nick O'Donohoe. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Good to be here. What's happening, Nick? What's going on? Man, I'm just living the dream. Life is good. Work's good. The girlfriends are good. Got one coming over a little bit, so we need to hurry this shit up. (laughs) (laughs) How are you getting these chicks now? Are you getting them all offline? I I pay for them. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Just... I'm just kidding. I ain't got nothing going on. I'm just giving you a hard time. You're always paying for it. You trust well, me. Yeah. You're always paying for it. Right. Dude, I got to tell you, it's been unbelievable today in Florida. Like, it, it got hotter than hell, and we weren't ready for it. I mean, right from a pretty mild winter, and all of a sudden, it's been like 95, and you're trying to work outside, and you're sweating your balls off, and it's brutal. But today is like 78, 80 degrees, like absolutely perfect. Like, the reason we moved to Florida is days like this, but this is probably the last of it before the hell of the heat hits. Right. But, uh, it's coming. What's going it's on coming. Weather wise out in, in uh, Houston. We got the cool yesterday. It was beautiful. And then today it started warming up. So it was in the high 80s. So yeah, you're going to get it. And we get it right before you do. So we're not a day right. apart when it comes to that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it is. It's supposed to rain the next couple of days here. So, but, uh, so anyway, hey, so we got an exciting guest coming on the podcast today. I can't wait. Um, he actually, uh, from the town that I grew up in and went to high school in, we we uh, we got to thank uh, old Arnie Bennett, our, our longtime friend of the show, for uh, bringing this guest in. But let me give you a little bit of a bio on him. He's a 24-year-old graduating senior from Anna Maria College and hockey player. You know, played D3 hockey up there, um, and now he's graduating. And you know, hockey's kind of over. I mean, if you're if you're playing D3 and, and nobody's signing on you, then you got to start making some decisions on what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Well, since he's a hockey player, since he's from Rochester, New Hampshire, since he's probably a little bit of a cement hen and tough guy, he decided to join the MMA. And he's got his uh, debut June 5th in Tampa uh, doing a UFC fight, or it's MMA, I guess, that we're doing. But ladies and gentlemen, let me bring him to the show and he'll tell you all about it. Brody McDougal, welcome. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to be here. Where are you? So are you, I'm looking out your back windows. We're, we're doing a Skype call right now to do this podcast. Are you in New Hampshire now? No, I'm actually, right now I'm uh, dog sitting. I'm at my mom's watching her dog here in Kittery Point, Maine. Oh, you're in Maine. Kittery. Kittery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know how to, I know how to talk New Hampshire still there, kid. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's spelled Kittery, but we call it Kittery up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So let's talk about you. So you graduated um, from uh, Spalding High, which is where I graduated in what what was it, 2016? You said. Yep, 2016. Right on. So were you playing hockey in uh, in Rochester? Yeah. So I uh, played four years at Spalding High. Um, you know, loved it. Had a blast. Um, you know, was fortunate enough to get recruited to go play junior hockey afterwards. Uh, with the New England Wolves, had a stint there, a uh, little bit of time with the Valley Junior Warriors in Haverhill, Mass, too, uh, before committing to Anna Maria and going to play my four years there. Oh, that's awesome. So, when, and the juniors, I, I don't even know those teams now. Are they, are they junior? What level is that? Uh, yeah, so there's all kinds of different levels. Um, I played in the EHL, which is uh, Eastern Hockey League. Okay. Uh, 
and I'm actually going to correct myself what I said earlier, I actually originally committed to Framingham State, played two years there, and then transferred out to Anna Maria, where I finished up my last two years. Okay. So what are the rules now on fighting in that level? I know, you know, when I played juniors for a little bit, but we're going way back, you know, 30 years ago. And, you know, fighting was, I mean, you could get away with it here and there, but some of the leagues, you're gone. Like one fight and you're out. So, and so how, while how you're talking about that, sign in a little bit on, tell me a little bit about what D3, level D3 is while you're telling me that. What um, is D3? Both those answers in now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so as far as the fighting goes for junior hockey, uh, I believe when I was there, it was just a one-game suspension. Um, so just like it really wasn't a big deal. I think most of the time you just got tossed out for the rest of the game and there was no carryover. Sometimes it would carry over for uh, like a one-game suspension following, uh, depending on, I guess, whatever the ref put it down on the sheet as. Right. Uh, and then as far as D3 hockey goes, um, Division three hockey, you know, really competitive. Um you know, it's real. It's you know still really hard for people to get to that level. You gotta definitely pay your dues. You know, you gotta go through juniors um, for the most part. Everyone that plays Division three hockey has gone through that process. Um, average college hockey freshman is twenty twenty one years old. Um, so there's definitely a lot that still goes into it. But you know, it's less competitive than the Division one level. Right. Well, in, in D one, I mean, those are. Those are the guys that are going to the NHL. I mean, and it's still not all of them, right? I mean, you might get what out of D one, maybe five percent of the guys are going to make it to the show. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's so stacked now. I mean, especially with all the European teams and uh, you know Canadian players and so on and so forth. I mean, hockey's a really really competitive sport. Yeah, you think about back, you know, when hockey started, it had almost sixty years of six teams in the NHL. So imagine trying to jockey. You're coming up in the ranks, and you think you're pretty good, and there's only six teams. I mean, now with a Kraken going in, we're going to have 31 teams. Uh, or is it 32? Does the Kraken make 32 or 31? 32, yeah. 32, yeah. So, I mean, it, it waters it down a little bit, but you're right. Europeans are coming in, and that's watering it down even more. You know, Germany has now got a guy that's the top German scorer that's ever happened in the NHL. Um, yeah. That just happened yesterday. So I mean, we're in the D three level. I mean, we got kids on our team from Finland. We have kids on our team from uh, Canada, uh, the Czech Republic. I mean, trust me. Yeah, even- so it's not something you walk on and make the team, um, right? So, um, so you played D three. How did you play all four years? D three. Yeah, I actually uh, was uh, never missed a game. Uh, played all four se- uh, all four seasons. Played every single game of my four years of college hockey, um, which is you know a little accomplishment, a little feather in my cap. That That's I like huge. Didn't That's get huge. a whole lot of points or anything, but got to play in every game. Where's that applause button, Nick? Right here. <laughs> Love it. So um, now, do you in D three? Can you get? Sponsor or, or can you get uh, not sponsors, but what am I looking for? We, they pay for your college. Um, no, there's no scholarships. Scholarships. Um, I mean, like they, you get uh, like merit scholarships, obviously for like having good grades and stuff like that. So right. um, fortunately, I did pretty well in school. I was able to get a little break um, due to more of my grades than anything. But uh, yeah, no, and at the Division three level, there's no scholarships. So what are you graduating with? I'll be graduating with a major in sports management. Oh, perfect, perfect, and yeah, that's, that's awesome right there. We're gonna give him another one for that one. Thanks, guys. 
So what, what were your final stats in the uh, – you, you did four years of college hockey. What, would you, what, what, are your st- what are your PIMS? Oh, I couldn't even tell you guys without looking it all up. But I, I know I played – I ended up getting an 81 games because of uh, shortened senior year due to COVID. I was hoping to hit the 100, which meant that you played in every single – all 25 regular season games all four years. Uh-huh. Wasn't able to hit that milestone. But uh, – I couldn't even tell you what the what the PIMS or any of that. Well, well, let me ask you this: Were your goals more impressive or your PIMS more impressive? Pim, PIMS were definitely more impressive than <laughs> okay. the goals. I can promise you guys that. You know what PIMS are, Nick? I have no idea. I was fixing so that. PIMS are penalty minutes. Penalty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Back in the in the you know seventies, the bat, the big old bad Bruins, and the. A broad Street bullies down in Philadelphia. I mean, some of your penalty minutes were pretty massive numbers. You know, they were in the thousands of uh, sitting in the box and feeling shame. So, uh, <laughs> so that's awesome. So, so your pins were high, and which I guess tells the rest of the story, right? That you're now going to go into MMA. So, tell me about that transition. Why? Yeah. So, uh, mixed martial arts is always something I was real interested in, even as a uh, young kid. I remember watching like season one of The Ultimate Fighter with Stephen Bonner and Forrest Griffin, and just those early warriors, you know, and just really fell in love with the sport. Just fell in love with like just the pure competitiveness of it. You know, there's nothing, there's no more pure competition than you getting locked in the cage with another guy, and only one of you comes out winning. Right, that's crazy. Yeah, the adrenaline there. We talk about adrenaline all the time on the show because you know I knock on wood had an X Games run, but it's similar. I mean, once you step on stage, man, there's only one way. Right. Out, you know, in your mind, anyway. So yeah. So when did you start your martial arts? So I actually just started last summer. Um, the it was something I always wanted to get into. I think it was something I always knew I would do eventually. Um, it was something I wanted to do when I was younger. I actually, the same, so the same gym I train at now, um, when my mom would take me to get babysat, we used to drive by the gym every day and I would ask my mom to go train. And when I was young and naive, my mom told me, you know, I'll take you there to train, but I'll never let you fight. So being that young, naive kid, I was like, oh, that's dumb. I want to go just train. I want to get to actually fight. Yeah, that's like having somebody open a beer in front of you and say you can't drink it. Yeah, exactly. I want to be in the UFC. So, you know, I didn't do it then. Um, and then due to COVID, I actually was unable to train at my regular gym that I would prep for my last season of college hockey here. So I was like, you know what? What better time than now to go join the MMA gym and kill two birds with one stone? And I just oh, fell in love with it first day. Oh, that's awesome! So, nice. and your trainer, you you listed on um on your uh, message that you sent me, uh, Devin Powell. Yeah. So, how did you get tied up with him? So, Devin's the owner of the gym, Nosto MMA, right in Summersworth, New Hampshire. Um, he's an amazing guy. Um, I just like I said, that was the gym that was close to home. It was the gym I drove by every day. I'm just so fortunate that you know he's the one that owns it. Um, he's a UFC, Bellator, World Series of Fighting vet. Um, absolute animal uh, just for recently retired this year uh, was never finished in his entire MMA career so I mean really just blessed and super lucky that it kind of just fell in my lap like that well how old is he now you say he's, he's stepping out and he's retiring I, I don't even know what the shelf life is for MMA uh, I believe Devin's 32 32 okay yeah. sounds about right getting kicked in the head for 15 years he might need a break right that's about the age they end up being announcers and standing in front of the behind the mic instead of in front of the camera yeah right 
right? Yeah, no, totally. He just, you know, he's Dev's still good. He's really lucky. He's got his health. Um, I mean, he just really wanted to step out and I think just enjoy the coaching aspect of things more than anything. So what's the difference between MMA and UFC? Um, so it, they're not UFC is just one organization. So UFC is, uh, you know, there's the UFC, there's Bellator, there's World Series of Fighting, um, and then there's all the smaller organizations under uh, those. But so okay, but sport UFC is an organization. So UFC would be like the NHL. Right. Okay, that makes better sense, and and I'm sure our listeners appreciate that as well. So when you're when you're watching the UFC, I mean it's all it's all mixed martial arts, and that's that's yeah. the that's the definition of it there. And sure. I, I know. So I had I don't know if you if you uh, you've listened to a lot of the podcasts, but do you know a guy named Mike Scroy? Do you know that name at all? Uh yeah. You uh you guys just had him on, right? He's the uh, fighter there. Right. He he was a, he was a big swatter in the AHL and played a few games in the show. But then he went off to train MMA and uh, he trains it now in Florida quite a bit. But uh, great guy, you know, and and he he's a big dude. You know, he's six four two twenty. What are you dressing out at? Uh, so right now I weigh uh, about one eighty. I'm six foot two. Um, six but two. I'll be, I'll be cutting down to one sixty five for my fight. Wow, six two one sixty five. Man. Oh. Wow, what's your what's your body weight? Uh, your uh, what do you call it? The uh, your body fat count? Oh, I I don't know. I haven't don't gone, do that shit. <laughs> I haven't got it officially tested. I don't know how serious you got to get with the MMA. Like I, I don't know how it works. Do you have to? Is, is there a, a, a mass body count weight, or is it just weight or water so, weight? Oh, by so you have weight classes. Obviously, um, I'm actually fighting outside of a weight class. Um, the guy that I'm going to be fighting uh, requested that we go at a catch weight of 165. So that's out of an official weight class. Um, so we both agreed on that weight limit. So basically, how it works is uh, the day before the fight, you have weigh-ins. You have to be down to 165 pounds by that time. Basically, you step on the scale the night before, hit 165. And then, I mean, you get the whole rest of that night and the whole next day to rehydrate and eat up before you actually step in the cage. Oh, so you might weigh more on the actual fight day than your weigh-in time. Yeah, I, I can promise you I won't weigh 165 pounds when I walk. I can't imagine. <laughs> He'll eat I four fried chickens and a Coke at that point. <laughs> yeah. I'll be 165 pounds for a really small period of time. Wow. Wow. That's, you know, Nick is actually... Uh, four foot two and he weighs 180 pounds as well <laughs> he's absolutely correct but you got to remember in my 20s i was six foot tall and bulletproof <laughs> so how does that I, that must be a, <laughs> I love the delay the, right the delayed laugh right. <laughs> um that's houston you know their family tree looks like a telephone pole out there <laughs> louisiana shepherd <laughs> How do you go? Um, so, when you're six two and you're down to 165 pounds, what are the chances you're going to meet another six foot two guy? I mean, you're gonna it's going to be a shorter guy than you, right? Yeah, I mean that's I mean we imagine we don't know really much about my opponent at all. Um, we know he's a blue belt. That's really about it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean we're just you know you got kind of got to be prepared for everything i mean technically i get i could run into somebody taller than me right someone who i guess would just kind of some free genetics right but But in uh, mixed martial arts i mean reach doesn't really matter as much right i mean you definitely can hold a guy off you look at 
Chiara fight on the ice and nobody can touch the guy because his arms are so damn long. But MMA, I I got told once a long time ago by somebody, it's way easier to punch up than to punch down. That's definitely true. Um, I mean, you know, Reach has advantages and, I mean, I guess different kind of styles. Um, Reach is more important definitely for strikers in uh, in MMA than, you know, for the grapplers. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not as big a deal as it is in, like, a sport like boxing where it's hands only. And being a hockey player, you've got to be a striker more than a grappler. I mean, I've had, obviously, limited time learning the grappling aspects of the game. I think I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to be a sponge and just pick up everything as quick as I can and get my ground game as high a level as possible. But, yeah, definitely, I like, you know, I like stepping in there. I want to throw some hands. It's going to suck that you can't grab a shirt so you can feed the face. Yeah, nah, I don't. I know, but it's all right. They're, that's why they're teaching me all these new weapons. I don't need to grab onto a shirt anymore. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, when I watch these guys, the elbows, elbows just look so lethal when you connect with one. Lethal, yeah, elbows are real lethal. So luckily, I guess, amateur MMA, or, or I guess unluckily maybe for my opponent one day, but uh, no uh, elbows are allowed in amateur MMA. No knees to the face either. So, ah, so they still have a lot of a, a lot of the rules, like when you're on your hands and knees, you can't knee, things like correct. that. You can't go straight down to a head if somebody's on the ground, ninety degree. They have more what you're doing now, or is the UFC lighter? How does that work? Uh, no, so there's definitely more restrictions now in the organization I'm going to be in, the WCFL. Um, it's amateur, so they uh, they have some, you know shin pads um, to protect a little bit from the kicks, um, no elbows, and then no knees to the face either. Um, other than that, they follow pretty much the same regulations as like the UFC. Um, but yeah, no, no, definitely more restriction now at the amateur level. Right. You know, and you're playing hockey when you fight on the ice. I mean, there's no, there really is no rules other than gentleman rules, which is similar, right? Somebody's down, you stop hitting them. You never knee. You never, you know, you, you do a clean, honest fight. So I guess men- mentally wise, that's an advantage for you coming into this type of a, a situation. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think just in general, knowing that, you know, that I have fought before and that I guess have the ability to do it is uh, is something. Um, But really, I think my confidence to get in the cage in general comes through my training um, from my coach and just all the support from my training partners. I just got a really awesome team behind me. Everyone's working super hard. And that's really what gives me the confidence to step in there. It's got to help that you've been hit. I, I I can only imagine how many people step into MMA and start training, whatever it's in, whether it's Taekwondo or whatever, and they haven't really been hit. But when you've been hit, it changes everything, right? Yeah, no, it's actually, it's funny you say that. Um, we were having little, like, fighter coach interviews, just, you know, getting feedback from uh, from Devin on what he wants to see me work on stuff. And one of the things that he had said was that, you know, we know you can fight. We know you have, you know, that in you already. It's about really developing the tools and making sure that I'm taking care of my body and doing everything that I need to be doing. And, on and probably not snapping, right? And you don't want to snap in the middle of a fight. Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, having that, knowing that you have that edge and, like you said, being able to take a hit and keep going, you know, that's something that we already we already know I got. So. I never could pull that off for the simple reason that if the guy got in the ring with me and I'd have total control, I'd have everything I needed, and he'd start lipping off and saying something about my mother, and I'd lose 
all my confidence. I want to kill him. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. You just can't do it. You got to stay yeah, focused. No. Absolutely. You got to stay, uh, you know, confidence is important. But, uh, yeah, like you said, just staying calm and just, you know, thinking through what you're doing and just, you know, fighting smart. How long are your rounds in amateur? Uh, so I'm going to be having three three-minute rounds. Three minutes is a long time. Hell of a long you, know, you, time. About, you never fight for three minutes on the ice. You know, you're yeah. lucky if it goes 20 seconds. Yeah, if you're in a bad spot, three minutes can be a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, that's crazy. So you've been you've plugged in nutrition a few times in the conversation. Let's talk about nutrition once and how did it change from hockey to this? And, and what are you doing with it? Um, so obviously, I mean, hockey, you don't have a restrict as much a restricted diet. You're not really trying to make a certain weight. Um, the MMA, obviously, knowing that I'm going to have to cut, you know, a pretty substantial amount of weight. Um, I luckily enough to have a ingrained kitchen is teamed up with our gym, um, and they handle all my meal preps for me. So it's really nothing I even have to worry about. I just, you know, plug in what I need for the week, and uh, they have it shipped right to the gym for me. So it really couldn't be any easier for me. I just pick it up on Tuesdays, and I got all my meals the entire week. How different is it from the way you were eating before? Uh, I mean, before, I mean, in hockey, like, you you try and eat clean, but at the same time, I mean, you're away at college. Like, you got, obviously, the opportunity to get your hands on whatever you want to eat whenever you want to. So, I mean, definitely, like, you have more relaxed diet than I have now. You know, now I try and be really strict, really regimented, and don't really eat anything outside my meal preps. How big of a difference do you notice in your body? Uh, I'm massive. I mean, it's it's crazy when you're own when you're restricting your calories. For instance, when you're first when I really first start cutting weight, um, I mean you're a little more lethargic you don't have that uh kind of same like oomph you know that same get up you don't have all those calories in you um but as your body adjusts and you start leaning down um i feel great you know i have all the energy i need uh, to train hard every day and what are your go-to foods that give you the gas um so i mean any like any like chicken brown rice meal kind of stuff like that just you know uh a carbohydrate and a protein are you doing skinless chicken yeah, so they just send over. It's just a, like roasted chicken breast usually um, on top of like some brown rice with some greens. Or uh, they got this awesome, it's uh, like a slow roast beef meal with like some peanuts. And it's more like this uh, like Asian-inspired uh, peanut sauce over brown rice. But anything like that, really. So you're getting your carbs from the rice and everything else is strict, straight protein pretty much. Yeah, yeah, either pro, uh, protein and greens. You know, they got some veggies and stuff thrown on top there too. Right. So throwing how, in a six-pack so, of beer is not a good idea, right? Yeah, no, I actually, uh, one of the big sacrifices that I've made is I've cut out alcohol completely for this entire fight camp. So I haven't had a drink in a month, and I won't have a drink till after fight night. Yeah. boy. You know, I, I used to do it every year. For When I got into the show skiing, you know, show skiing was, it's kind of like, uh, I don't even know how to, probably D3 hockey. I would say it's the difference between D3 hockey and going to the show. And when I started competing as a pro athlete, I would do it every year. I'd go three months without alcohol. And I hated it, you know, because I like my drink here and there. But it's unbelievable how it uh, slows you down, like just slows your body down. You're, you're not as quick. You're not as accurate. You're not as as clear. Yeah, I mean, my coach is huge on cutting out alcohol for fight camp. Just in general, the toll it takes on your body um, definitely hurts your body in terms of your recovery. Uh, and then obviously it's hard to train when you have a hangover anyway. Right. So 
all that combined. I mean, it's just something that for me, I, I don't have a need for alcohol in my life. You know what I mean? So yeah. really not that big a deal for me. I just well, you're an adrenaline junkie, you know, and, and adrenaline junkies sometimes all you need. You, all, all, what's alcohol do for you? It gives you a little buzz. so You feel a little crazy, but if you already got a little crazy in you, you know, all you gotta do is turn that switch on. Yeah, exactly. I get to turn that switch every day. You know, that's why I love to do what I do. Right. Right. That's awesome. So, um, how long you said you're 180 and you got to cut down to 165. How long does that take? Uh, so I mean, really the cutting process is like two weeks, you know, like, uh, I mean, I two started weeks. early. Yeah. So 15 I, pounds. I, yeah. I started a little early already, um, to kind of get my weight down to 180 pounds. I actually started higher than 180. Um, but really the last two weeks is where you're really, really strict. Um, and then a couple days before weigh-in, you get a, you know, a water cut. So, you know, you're hitting the sauna and stuff like that, basically. You know, I get, so I don't know if this is true or not. I'm just thinking in my own mind, but if you did start cutting now and you depreciated your calories, you'd be kind of sluggish for three weeks before the tournament, right? Is that kind of one of the reasons? Yeah. So that's why you want to do it carefully and slowly so that you, you don't have those dramatic body shifts. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, especially like a week out, you know, when I'm really, really cutting hard. I mean, I'll definitely feel more lethargic. It'll be a little bit tougher, but you know, it's all just part of the sport. So, what do you do in that one week? Like, how, you know, what, what do your calorie count go to in that that last? That'll that'll be something that you know, me and my coach kind of figure out. You got to look at it. Yeah, every situation I guess would be week, different because it, you know, my weight could be at you know a couple different pounds if I'm you know too heavy then you know it could really stink or as long as I manage myself well and keep my weight where it should be you know it should be pretty reasonable but at the same time that'll all be something that me and you know Devin have to just figure out hydrating is important too though even though you do that you still have to keep hydrated right yeah no so I I, I'll stay fully hydrated all the way up until like a day before weigh-in where I have to get the water out of my body um, just to make the weight, but yeah, no, hydration is absolutely key. I mean, we, I'm I drink two gallons of water every single day at least. Wow, what's the trick to getting it out? When you say you get the water out, what's the trick to that? I mean, really, so it's all just sweating it out. So I mean, you start off just kind of maybe like shadow boxing, doing some work in like one of those sweatsuits. On if you've ever seen one of those saunas yep. there, um, and then obviously it gets as the more dehydrated you get you get pretty lethargic like you were saying so they turn it into either just start cutting in either a hot tub or a sauna and uh, you just kind of sweat out everything else until until you make your weight so when you're hot tub are you getting hydrated from breathing the steam without drinking the water uh, no I mean I, I guess technically you could be getting a little bit of hydration from the steam coming in but I mean in general like it's more uh, just to make you sweat. Exactly. Yeah, you're just trying to keep that sweat going that you've had going all day, and you're just trying to keep that keep that water moving out of your body. Wow. So and then, so you hit your weight, you get on the scale, you pass, everything's good. How long before from that time till you get in the ring? Ah, uh, so that'll be probably like around like th- like thirty six hours or so, because you know Three you got the weigh-in will be probably like late afternoon, early early night. I'd say probably like between four and six p.m of the night before so then you get the whole rest of that night and then the entire day leading up to you know the fight which i'll probably won't step in the cage until probably about that same time the next day four to six p.m right now would you plow down carbs in that 36 hours or would you stay with protein 
you you want you want to get amped, right? Again, that's a great question. It's really going to depend on how my body feels. Kind of what, uh, basically, like like I said, Devin's a genius. My coach, he's been through it all. He's going to know based on how my body feels, right? Uh, what what I need, and he'll. And this is your first fight, so you you don't really know. Yeah, I, that makes sense. I keep asking you these technical questions, and I forget. You know, it's your first fight, so you got to go through a couple of these, and you know, everybody's different, I guess. So Devin's going to have to figure that out with you. Right, exactly. But that's part of the excitement, you know, going through it, just kind of figuring out what I what I'm gonna need specifically, and then you know, start like you said. The more fights I get through here, I'll get it down to more of a science. Right. Um, but I guess right now I'm just kind of enjoying the process and just going through what I can go through. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. So, um, where does it go from? T- Let's say you do well at Tampa. Um, what happens from there? From there, I mean. Uh, you know, set up another fight, right? I mean, that's it. Just all about, you know, trying to grow, grow the brand, trying to grow me. Um, obviously, you know, the more wins you get on the record, the more, uh, the more eyes are on you. And I mean, obviously amateur MMA, we're not making a lot of money. So the more eyes you get on you, the more sponsorship opportunities you get. Um, it all, all adds up. It all counts. So that's really it. Just try and get in as, as many fights as I can safely obviously you know with proper preparation for each right uh, and just just grow the record just get the experience that's awesome and you'll earn trust in your coach as you're doing that as well you know i i went through that um when i started as a pro wakeboarder i mean there was it had just started and there was nothing out there luckily i had a ski school if i didn't have the ski school you know i wouldn't have had the boats and the finances coming in from that to to afford my sport so i completely understand what it's like getting some sponsors out of there and in fact nick and i would like to step up and be your first sponsor we're gonna we're gonna you know we actually talked off the air and we talked about doing the wakeboard school but since you're on this podcast i think it's more important that we promote the outside edge and since you live on the outside edge a little bit why don't we make the outside edge one of your sponsors there you go unbelievable thank you guys so much can't can't wait to represent all. Yeah, absolutely i'm excited and i live in tampa so uh you know you gotta find a way to sneak me in you know i don't know a towel boy or something <laughs> I, hold I your spit good. bucket maybe <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that sounds awesome and it, so this fight is coming up on june 5th yes that's correct june 5th saturday june 5th and how long will you be in florida prior will you come down here to acclimate yeah, so we fly out June 2nd, I think, uh, early June 2nd in the morning. I'll get out there, and then we'll start, you know, start getting on the weight cut. Um, that's where, you know, once we land in Florida, once we're in Tampa, once we are in the Airbnb and everything, that's when we'll start really cracking down and really getting that weight down where it needs to be. Um, so, yeah, I'll have a couple of days to cut the weight before the fight, and then uh, I think we're there until we leave the 8th at 8 o'clock at night so we're there for two days after two yeah okay great that's awesome well we I, we will definitely get together while we're well uh you're down here and well uh we can have a chance to see what you got absolutely you know? yeah can't wait to show it off right on well nick what else you got brother i'm good with it man i'm just glad you came on and uh good luck on the weight cut and the fight and i'd love to see you know, it if we i can do, nick you know we 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 ought to um you know, maybe fly you out for that fight, and we could actually do a live uh, podcast. Maybe you know we can get a couple shots of him in the ring and him fighting, and we do a little bit of a live podcast 
That is while a great he's idea. Put that on the Patreon channel. Let's do it. That's super cool. I'd love to do that. With Let's you do it. It's yeah. game. It's game. I'll schedule it. We'll talk about it after, and we'll get it done. Great. And, hey, if we can't get you sponsors, then uh, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but we know, don't, we'll so we're good. Boy, we got to give it a rip. No, nah, I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. I mean, I, this is a blast. Love to be back on. Right on. Well, I think we're going to wrap it there. And everybody that's out there listening, put that on your calendar. Put June 5th on your calendar in Tampa. Is it going to be televised? Or how do, how do people – is it on internet or – yeah, so you'll be able to get the uh, pay-per-view. It'll be on the uh, WCFL website, World Class Fight League website. Um, super easy. Literally, as soon as you go, I think it's WCFL.com or WCFLMMA.com, something like that. And then right at the bottom, it'll show you exactly how you can purchase uh, the pay-per-view for the event. Right. And awesome. if somebody wants to throw some sponsor money at you to help you out with this fight, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, so they can get a hold of me um, either on Instagram um, at Brody.McDougal on Instagram. Or I think and it's Brody, Brody is B-R-O-D-Y, not I-E. Might be Brody.McDougal21 on Instagram. I'm going to check real quick for you guys. But, yeah, I mean, if you could just message me on Instagram, we'll get it We'll get it all set up. Do you have a Facebook as well? Yes, I do. Bro. Yep, just Brody McDougal on Facebook. Yeah, B-R-O-D-Y, M-C, capital D-O-U-G-A, 1L, correct? Yes, sir. That's it. Yep. Nice. Yep. So go on there and, uh, you know, let's help him out. Let's see what we can do and uh, and follow him through his career a little bit. We get to see his first fight, kind of exciting, and uh, see where it grows. So I'm excited about it. And um, we're going to wrap it up, Nick. I appreciate your time. We, what do you got for closing? That we don't, brother. We'll put it all in later. We're good. Perfect. No music, because I don't want to cut you out again. So we're gonna. I'm gonna do, do all that here in a little bit. And we'll post it. Perfect. We're Perfect. good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Nick O'Donohoe and Brody McDougal, I am Dave Briscoe, and we will catch you next time on the Outside Edge. Thank you, Brody. <laughs>